Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. be in the house worshiping with you this morning. There's just a sweet presence of God in the place, and so I hope you are enjoying this morning. Um, I'm going to jump into a message that I wanted to speak a few weeks ago, and this morning I want to just, we're going to do a little bit of teaching and talking, and we'll probably pick up this next week as well. Um, But I just want to ask you guys a question, since you're in church, I'm wondering if you've ever heard of something that's called prayer. Right? Has anybody heard of prayer before? Right? You could... Only about a few people raise their hand. This is why I'm concerned this morning. So let's try this again. Have you ever heard of the word prayer before? Have you ever heard of prayer? Right? You can raise your hand in church. That's okay. That's good. Actually, in this moment, you actually want to raise your hand in church. Um, My question for you is, do you understand what prayer is? Do you pray daily? Do you pray daily for more than just your meals? See, sometimes when we talk about prayer... Uh, we immediately like, do you pray every day? And our default is, as Christians especially, yes. And then when you really dive into it, of like, do you pray more than just, Lord, bless this cheeseburger, let it be zero calories in Jesus' name? <laughs> and do we pray a little bit more than what our meals? And why do we need to pray? So this morning, we're going to start into teaching on the purpose of prayer. I'm hoping to get through uh, five of them. Um, but I'm feeling a little realistic because Pastor Carlo has a little stuff to do after me. And so I'll probably go through four. We'll see what happens here. Okay, so we'll get through at least four, maybe five today, and then we'll pick the rest up next week. But we're going to talk about prayer. So as we go to start this, how about we pray? Father, I thank you for this morning. I thank you, Lord, for just your sweet presence. I thank you, Holy Spirit, how you're speaking to people in the room. And just words are coming in and just confirming of what your presence is doing in this place this morning. And so now, Lord, as we turn our attention to your word, I ask you to hide me behind the cross. Let the words that I speak be your words. I pray for open ears and open hearts in this place today, Lord, that we will be challenged, we'll be changed, we'll be taught. And Lord, we'll leave here with a better passion for prayer. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So if you're taking notes, which I hope you are, because let's be honest, if you're not, you're going to forget by tomorrow, because most of you don't remember what you ate yesterday, and we need food to survive. Amen? So pull out your phone, swipe it down, hit airplane mode so you don't get any notifications of people in the room texting you now about food. All right? And let's start. Purpose number one of why we need prayer is to bring us back to God, to bring us back to God. This is what prayer does. Really at the base of prayer, one of the basis parts of prayer is that prayer is usually a cry for help. It's usually us crying out to God. It's letting God know, it's telling God, it's reminding ourselves that we cannot go on the way things are presently going. Paul exhorted us to pray in order to have our needs even met. In Philippians um, 4 verse 6, it says, Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to the Lord. See, even this morning, Pastor Melissa talked about peace. 
So we're not supposed to be anxious about anything. We're supposed to have peace in our lives. And the way we receive that peace is actually through prayer. It's not by us trying to solve a problem. It's not by us trying to fight for issues. What it is is actually through prayer. It's a supernatural peace. And a lot of times we get it through thanksgiving. A lot of times it comes from thanksgiving. So many times when we're praying for our needs, if we start in a place of gratitude, thanking God for what we already have, we really do live in a blessed nation. Is it perfect? No. We really do have blessed lives. Are our lives perfect? No. But there is something that you can be, have gratitude for. And I remember saying this a long time ago. I remember reading it. Your gratitude will actually change your attitude. The more thankful you are, the more thankful you are, the more your brain will begin to be thankful. If you're struggling in a relationship with somebody, it could be a coworker, it could be a friend, it could be a spouse, it could be a child, whatever it is, if you begin your day and you end your day with listing off things that you have gratitude towards them for, you'll be amazed at how your heart changes towards that person. And the whole time we thought it was the other person. But we just begin to thank God for them and watch how the situation begins to change. See, as we begin to petition God for our needs, James goes as far as to say that some don't have simply because they don't ask. He says in James 4 too, you do not have because you do not ask God. You don't have it because you didn't ask for it. I'm not talking about prosperity gospel where we ask for you know, mansions where we ask for all these things. If that was as simple as that, I would have a Harley already. <laughs> but God knows what's best. So if we ask according to his will, we will receive. Some of us don't have because we just don't ask. The reason my kid doesn't have ice cream at this very moment is they just didn't ask. Now both my kids are like, wait, I just have to ask for ice cream right now? According to mother's will. I can't really find that one in scripture just to back that up. But some of us, we just think God doesn't care. He doesn't care about the little details. But do you know what Jesus actually taught us in the Lord's Prayer? To give us this day our daily bread. We need to ask God for the little things. He cares about the little details in your life. And God has promised that he will help his children when they ask for his help. Matthew 21, 22, Jesus says, And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing, you will receive. See, the puzzling thing here is this is where we kind of wrestle as Christians. Is the puzzling part about this is that we are told that we won't get our needs met apart from prayer, yet our omnipresent Heavenly Father already knows these needs before we ask. So in fact, He knows our needs even before we know our needs. But yet He still wants us to ask. 
Because see, Jesus actually says in Matthew 6, verse 8, Do not be like them, for your heavenly Father knows what you need before you ask him. I know it's confusing. Well, Chad, if he already knows, why should I ask? And if he already knows, and I should ask, why? And if I don't get it, but he already knows, then why is he being selfish? Why is he keeping it from me? No, he just, he wants a relationship. He wants us to participate with him. How many people know one of the issues we have probably in society today is a lot of the generations behind us are just getting what they desire, getting what they need, and they're getting it fast, and therefore they don't know how to press in. They don't know how to work for it. And I'm not saying God's sitting back saying work and work and work, but he wants you to be a part of the process. And see, here's the thing. If you are constantly in prayer with him, if you have a relationship with him, praying according to his will actually becomes easier. Because you know his heart. You know his desires. See, God intends all along to give us these good things, the good things that we need. So why do we need to bother asking? See, it appears that God has decided to tie our needs to prayer because of the independent or self-sufficient old nature. I don't know about you, but when things are going well, it's a little bit easier to drift in prayer and devotional time. How many of you can just admit that spending time with God sometimes drifts away? The weather's nice. It's beautiful outside. There's so many things to do. Got to get the yard ready. Got to get the house ready. Got to get everything ready. And we just begin to drift. And then all of a sudden a difficulty comes. A need comes. And it draws us back into him. This is why he attaches our needs to him. Because all of us will drift back to our self-sufficiency. I can do it on my own. I'm okay. And so when the needs come, we draw back in. See, it takes discipline to stay close to him in the good times. And Jesus, he warned that we were never designed to do this life apart from the creator. He tells us this in John 15. Four to five, it says, remain in me and I will remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he might possibly could, if everything lines up right, bear much fruit. See, the loving thing about God is he tells us in this scripture that if a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart from me, he can do nothing. That word will is so important. If you're looking for fruit in your life, if you're looking for the fruit of the spirit in your life, you stay connected to him and you will bear fruit. You will. You stay close to God, and the fruit of God will begin just to come out of you. It'll just naturally begin to come out. See, by tying our knees to prayer, it encourages us to go to God, where then we find 
much more than simply the answers to our daily needs. We find a loving Father. See, purpose number two of prayer is to grow our faith in God. To grow our faith in God. See, he waits for us to ask him so that we will properly value the gift when it comes. And then our hearts will be turned to him in gratitude and renewed in trust to the one who gave it. See, when you need something and you ask God and you begin to wait on him, waiting for it, when it finally comes, when it shows up, when he gives it to you to meet that need, there's a sense of gratitude in your heart. It grows your faith. You appreciate it more. I told you guys before Christmas that I made the mistake of taking Miles into a high-end baseball store, and he fell in love with a glove. And I saw the price of the glove, and I said, there's no way that is happening. And then I told him, you know what, let's ask some grandparents and see if they want to get involved, and maybe this can happen for you. So he had a little bit of hope. And then like any good father, I reached out to grandparents and I found out they wanted to be a part of it and I told him that they did not want to be a part of it. (laughs) You have to understand, it's supposed to be a little bit of a surprise. So he has no idea. He actually believes he's not getting this glove. And so we actually have Christmas at our house And then we go to Melissa's parents' house, and we open more presents. And then we drive all the way to Cobden. And I honestly don't think it was even the first day we were there that we opened presents. I think it was the next day. So we're talking like it's not Boxing Day. We're a little bit farther. So now Miles is pretty much like, it's not happening. Okay. And then he finally goes to open a present. And the first thing he lifts out of the box is glove oil. And immediately he's like, why do I have glove? And he looks in the box and there's a bag that he has to open. And as he begins to open it, this awe of shock is on his face. And he just becomes so grateful. So grateful. I believe there's times that when we are growing in our faith for God, and even as mature believers, especially as God wants to grow us more in our faith, sometimes we're like, why does he take so long to answer the prayer? I think sometimes it's just so we have more gratitude. If he answered it so quickly, how many of us do we think that we would just become spoiled little kids? Hey, Daddy, can I have this? Boom. Hey, Daddy, can I have this? Boom. Hey, Daddy, can I have this? Boom. Hey, Dad, can I have this? I don't question my father's love. I know that he loves me. So we continue to ask. We continue to wait. We continue to have faith. And then when he answers the prayer, this is why journaling is so important. We look back through our journals and we go, Oh, man, I remember praying for that. I actually almost forgot praying for that. And it grows our faith to him. Hebrews 11, verse, verse 6 says this, And without faith it is impossible to please God, because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly 
seek him. We need not just to pray. We need not just to seek him. We need to earnestly seek the Father. Everything that we've attained or accomplished in our Christian life is linked to our faith in God. Everything. Everything. You're successful in business, it's linked to God. You have a successful marriage, it's linked to God. You have successful relationships, it's linked to God. The more we begin to understand that it all comes from him, I really do believe there'll be more peace and joy in your life. And it'll actually lead to more blessing. Because he is on the throne. So how do we get this faith? One way is when he speaks to us in prayer. When he speaks to us. We did the hearing God seminar and the listening prayers. You need to continue to listen in prayer so that he has a chance to speak to you. Another way that we do this, that we acquire and grow our faith is when we experience him. When we experience him in our lives. For example, Jesus said that the most important commandment in the entire Bible is this. Matthew 22, 37, 38. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. But we will not be able to love God with all of our heart and soul if we haven't first experienced him as an incredibly wonderful God. If you haven't experienced God as the one who's always good to you, the one who has the best interest at heart, who is responsive to you, who answers your cries, who helps in prayer, who is sovereignly watching over you, who reveals a bit of his glory to you, you won't be able to love him with all your heart, soul, and mind. What we have to remember as we ask God for things, as we seek him for things, as we tell him our needs, that he has our greatest good in mind. So that means you might not get everything you want because it actually wouldn't be good for you. Just for kicks, how many of you are sitting beside a spouse today at this very moment and you're really thankful that God didn't answer other prayers? <laughs> right? If we're honest, some of us might be married to other people because we prayed certain ways and God said, I know better. And because of social media, we're able to go, thank you, Lord. I won't sing any farther. But God cares about your greater good, and he knows what that greater good is 20 years from now. Not 20 minutes from now. And too many of us live in the 20 minutes, not the 20 years. And so we need to trust that he has your best in mind. John, 1 John 4, 9 says, we love him because he first loved us. We experience him, we experience his love through the avenue of prayer. That's how it works. James says this, 4-2, you do not have because you do not ask. So when God hears and answers our prayers, we discover that he cares about us and that he's listening to us. 
and that he is good to us and everything else. He loves us. When he answers in ways that we weren't expecting or asking, we discover even more about him, such as his wisdom. When he orchestrates all kinds of events and circumstances in order for our prayers to be heard, we learn firsthand that his sovereignty over us and over our lives. And these things, because we trust him more, which leads us to worship him with genuine love and with obedience in matters that we can't see far enough ahead. We trust him. We trust him. Purpose number three is this, to love and fellowship with God. We pray so that we will love him and to fellowship with him. See, God wants us to love him and have fellowship. He wants us to have a relationship with him. We understand this is one of my favorite Bible characters that we really don't know a lot about, but Genesis 5, 22, 24, it talks about Enoch, and it says, after he became the father of Meshulah, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had other sons and daughters. Enoch, verse 24, walked with God. Then he was no more because God took him home. So how do we walk with God? We walk with God through prayer. And it pleases God so much that he took Enoch home. He took him home without Enoch even experiencing death. He was just walking together. I know I've shared this before, but the way I envision this is Enoch and God are just out walking. And they just look back and God just goes, you know what? We're closer to my house. Why don't we just go home? When you walk with God through prayer, there's a closeness. Hebrews 11 verse 5 says, By faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him home. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. I don't know about you, but in the last few months, there's been a lot of people that we know that are Christian leaders, that are incredible men and women of God, that have gone to be with the Father. And the more it happens, the more I just begin to think, what will, what will people say when I'm dead and gone? And I'll be honest, if I'm known as one who pleased the Father, I love, it's in Acts, it's about as close as I'm going to get for you this morning. And they were talking about Peter and John. And they said, you could tell they were just ordinary people. Some, some translations will say, unschooled, uneducated. But you could tell that they spent time with God. That's all I want. That's all I want. See, it's revealing that Enoch wasn't known for what he accomplished. Recognize that for everybody in the room and everybody watching online. Enoch was not recognized for what he accomplished. He wasn't recognized for the size of his house. He wasn't recognized for the cars that he drove. He wasn't recognized for the size of his business. He wasn't recognized for anything else. But for his fellowship and love of God. Through David... 
prayer, he prayed many times, and he says that the key thing that he desires to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, Psalms 27, 4. The one thing I ask of the Lord is that what I, is that what I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. In another place, David says in Psalm 63, verse 1, for God... You are my God. Oh, God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My body longs for you. In a dry and weary land where there is no water. I know we're talking about prayer, and I asked at the beginning, how many of you know what prayer is? And I finally convinced all of you to raise your hand because you all know what it was. You just didn't want to raise your hands. But maybe we knew, as we didn't want to raise our hands, maybe we knew that as we talk about prayer, do we know prayer where our body, our soul thirsts for God and our body longs for him? How many of us this morning... Maybe as we read these words and we talk about prayer and what it means, we are actually probably a little spiritually dehydrated. And we just need the presence of the Lord. We need to earnestly seek him. Jesus says in John 17, 3, Now this is eternal life that you, they may know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Not just know about him, but truly know God. See, Jesus invites every church, every believer to open the doors of their hearts so that he can have fellowship and communion with them through prayer. This is how he interacts with us. Revelation 3.20 says, Here I am, I stand at the door and I knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. This is why it's so important for listening prayers. This is why it's so important to practice hearing the voice of God and hearing him because you need to know when he's at the door. Chad, I'm just not sure if I, if I hear his voice. I will promise you that he is speaking to you. He wants to continually speak to you. What has to happen is we have to slow down and give our undivided attention to him and allow him to speak to us. We don't just speak to him in prayer. He speaks to us. It's a dialogue. Number four, purpose. Prayer is to change us. We pray so it changes us. We have to understand as much as we go to God, we don't change God. He's God. He knows better. He knows what should happen. He has the best in mind for you. So when we go into God's presence through prayer, it changes us. Looks, let's, we're going to look at some examples on how it changes us this morning. And then we'll be done. 
Example number one of how it changes us, our desires are replaced by his. Your desires, my desires are replaced by God's desires when we're in prayer. This is why we can pray for things and we will receive them because we're going to pray according to his will, according to his desires. So I'm not saying right now that you just pray anything and name it and claim it and grab it and it's going to happen. It's according to his desires. Isaiah 6, verse 1 to 7, it says this. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on the throne, high and exalted. The train of his robes filled the temple, as we sang about even this morning. Above him were seraphims, each with six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two, they covered their feet. With two, they were flying. And they were calling to one another, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty, and the whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voices, the doorposts and the thresholds were shooken, and the temple was filled with smoke. So you have to understand, in Bible times, they didn't have punctuation. They didn't have exclamation marks. And so when they write, holy, 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 that is their way of making it louder. So it doesn't mean that they yelled it three times. But when you read it, and it says that when they said it, it shook the doorposts, that lets you know that they said, holy, holy. Is the Lord God Almighty? It shook the place. And then Isaiah says, Woe to me, I cried. I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among people of unclean lips, and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. And then one of the seraphims flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar. And when he had touched my mouth, he said, See, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away. Your sin atoned for. Isaiah saw the holiness of God, and immediately he recognized his wickedness, his sinfulness. And he desired to be holy, and with his encounter with him, his desires were changed, and he was made clean. Philippians 2.13 says, For God is working in you, giving you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Chad, you don't know what I struggle with in my life. You don't understand the difficulties that I'm facing. You don't know how hard it is for me to live a holy life, to draw close to God, to spend time with God. God is working in you. If you put him first, as we did the chair just a few weeks ago, if he is sitting on the throne of your heart, if he is the number one priority, if he's the first thing that goes in your calendar every day, then he is working in you, giving you the desire, recognize this, the desire and the power to do what pleases him. Some of us, if we're honest, it's not that we lack the power to do what pleases him, we lack the desire. Some of us still struggle in areas of our lives because if we're completely honest, we just like it. So yes, we need God in our lives to not only give us the power and the strength, but the desire. God, change our hearts. Example number two of how it changes us. It changes our perspectives. Our perspectives are exchanged for his. Psalm 73, it says this, 
We see David struggling in his perspective of the wickedness. We see how he walks through this. And we see that as they clash with each other and there's proudness and there's arrogance, they mistreat people. Yet in spite of it all, for some reason, we see that the wicked prospered. David was actually envious of them and he resented them. Because let's be honest, we as believers, when we see people who are not believers prospering when they're living evil lives, if we're honest, we're like David, we get a little envious and it doesn't make sense. So David saw that it was, seemed to be unfair. But then as you read through Psalm 73, then he says something that's striking. He says that all of this has troubled him greatly until this point, Psalm 73, verse 17 till I enter the sanctuary of God, and then I understood their final destiny. See, when David says he went into the sanctuary, it's equivalent to saying when he went into prayer, when he was spending time with God, his perspective changed because he saw the destiny. You continue in verse 18, it says, Surely you place them on a slippery ground. You cast them down to ruin." How suddenly are they destroyed, completely swept away by terrors as a dream when one awakens. So when you arise, O Lord, you will despise them as fantasies. See, David's perspective was changed. What he thought wasn't fair, he began to see all the picture. What he saw here on earth, he thought wasn't fair. And then all of a sudden, a moment, he saw eternity and he realized where things were happening, what was going to go on. Psalm 73, verse 21, the very next verse, David writes, When my heart was grieved and my spirit embittered, I was senseless and arrogant. I was a brute beast before you. David immediately repents of his sinful attitude because his perspective was changed by prayer. He began to see what was going to happen, and he realized that he didn't see the big picture. David realized he wasn't. God. And God sees the final point. He sees the end. All of his perspective was changed in prayer. And then he moves right into worship for who God is so good, so wise, so just, so merciful. And the final example, number three, our understanding is changed in prayer. Our understanding is changed in prayer. You guys know this story possibly where Peter was praying at noon and when all of a sudden he was confronted by a vision that challenged the way he thought about the Gentiles and God's kingdom. He saw this heaven open up and these unclean animals and God said, arise and eat, and he wouldn't do it. He wasn't sure what was going on and then all of a sudden, three men show up and knock on the door. Peter goes with them and he goes to the house and as he begins to share Jesus Christ with them, he wasn't understanding what the meaning was, but he responded to the knock. And when he got to Cornelius' house and it was packed with people and he began to share, all of a sudden, the Spirit came upon every one of them, all the Gentiles who Peter did not believe were to receive it. And in the moment... As they received the Spirit, he understood what the vision was. 
when we spend time in, in prayer, our understanding is changed. And so prayer, through prayer, one of the purposes of prayer is to change each and every one of us. So let's close in prayer this morning. Father, I thank you that as you call us into a place of prayer, that, Lord, you desire to change our hearts, you desire to meet with us, that, Father, you want us into a fellowship with you, to love you, and that, Lord God, you desire to meet with us, to grow our faith, Lord God, and that, Lord, as we sit with you, the understanding, Father, is to come back to you continually, to come back to you into a relationship and fellowship with you. And so, Lord, for many of us in this room, I pray that this morning, Lord, we have a desire to spend more time with you, because, Lord, you know you will give us the desire and the power to do what is right. Lord, for some of us, we just need the desire to pray. Some of us, there's desire to change other things. But, Lord, you know each and every person in this room. You know every person online. And so, Holy Spirit, speak to us. Change our hearts. Help us to encounter you. Help us to see your perspective. And that, Lord, you will open our eyes. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 